Hello. Hello. And welcome to That's, That's Fucked. With me, Claire. And me, Ash. And today, we are talking about the murder of Beverly Lynn Smith. And um, this case has gotten a lot of, like, you know, publicity the last year because in 2022 um Amazon released a four-part docu-series on the case and what's it called it's called the murder of Beverly Lynn Smith oh or the unsolved case of Beverly Lynn Smith I don't know search Beverly Lynn Smith and you'll find it okay (laughs) so um and that's actually what brought me onto it was I was scrolling through my true crime watch list as I do (laughs) and the thing that got me about this is the picture they had of her on the like you know little title screen or whatever she is this 22 year old with long straight hair tons of freckles all over her face very thin and I was like oh my god that looks like me I was going to say, that sounds like... Right, I was like... Okay. Like, no, when I show you the picture, you'll be like, oh shit, that's 22-year-old Claire. And and so I was, like, sucked in. She does have, like, reddish hair, so, you know, the hair color's off, but, like, other than that, hon, she's Googling. Yeah, I'm looking up the picture of her right now. Okay. Okay, yeah, I see that. Yeah. Okay. You know? Okay. So, (laughs) I was like, all right, I got to watch this, you know? And so I started watching it, and it is... And it's the unsolved murder, by the way. There you go. See? So, um, I I got real sucked in. And so I had to go look at other sources because the documentary kind of, you know, it's set up to be an entertaining thing, so it jumps around a lot. And what I found out was that in, all right, on December 9th of 1974, Beverly Lynn Smith was found shot dead in her kitchen with her 10-month-old daughter, Rebecca, unharmed safely in her crib in the next room. The house was not ransacked there was nothing visibly missing the police actually said that it was immaculate okay just her dead body in the kitchen that was out of place here i do gotta say i like the fact that you keep choosing cases that <laughs> if they involve children they're completely unharmed <laughs> thank you appreciate it right as a mom and i'm always like ah. oh and no that so i was like a toss-up on which episode i was gonna do and the other one i like started researching but it's literally a woman who like repeatedly over like a 15 year 20 i don't know exactly your time span she repeatedly murders her fucking children <gasps> like either seven or nine of them at least like i'm sorry yes repeatedly and they just like keep like writing it off as like anyway so i had to skip that one because i couldn't it's gonna take me a while to get through that research i can't like handle the nope you can't fuck with the babies no nope. no nope. uh, just we can skip that one <laughs> I will it's skip crazy. that one. Okay. Right. Be, that'll be my sick day. <laughs> yeah. 
it's a crazy case, but, like, yeah, I don't know that I have the heart for it. Okay, anyway. Anyway, so. Okay. <coughs> Excuse me. Okay, I'm dying. Don't do that. So, I don't need to do a, a version on you. Like there was no crime here. She just died from coughing. She just croaked to death. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, so um, some an interesting note here is that this happened in Oshawa, Canada. Okay, and they had just recently developed a regional municipality of Durham, which was like a local government, right? So like a county, I guess, or a state. I don't know. I don't know how Canada works. But... They have um, territories, right? provinces. Provinces, that's the word I'm looking for. But, so, I don't I assume this is more like a... (laughs) This is like a a county, you know? Sorry, Canada. (laughs) So they had just established this local government January 1st of 1974. And they, this was their very first homicide that they had investigated. Oh. And apparently they had all come from a Christmas party when they came to the crime scene and were um, more than a little inebriated oh no right so off the rip i don't i don't know what's going on it's not looking good oh no so from the start a little bit about beverly smith so she has a twin sister barbara okay and then she has an older sister susan and a younger sister wendy and you know, Oshawa was a smaller town, so and they were the girls were well known in their community. Okay, is what I could find. Um, but in a small ass town, it's really easy to be well known. Right, right. You know, and it was it was you know it's like they were always the girls were always seen together out doing stuff and blah blah blah. Beverly started dating Doug Smith, and at 17 years old, she had her dad sign for them to get married. <laughs> right. Y'all did not see my <laughs> lip just, like, twitch and a snarl right now, but... Right, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I made a face. Yeah. So, at 17, Beverly gets married, and it's noted in the documentary you know Barbara and Beverly had literally shared a bed their entire lives like you know shared room shared a bed Uh I assume a large bed but whatever their entire lives okay up until she got married okay so like Barbara is very clearly like has that like twin connection that like almost codependency Uh issues here and she does not do well. like being separated. Okay. Um, Beverly, you know, went from sharing a bed with Barbara to sharing a bed with Doug. So, like, I assume it was a little bit easier for her to kind of, like, move into the next 
phase of life or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then a couple years later, Beverly is pregnant. Oh. And, you know, but they seem to have this great marriage. Mm-hmm. Um... <laughs> did you want your place? I did. I did. <laughs> well, it's and like then, <laughs> so this part also kind of cracked me up because the way that like the documentary and the articles I read kind of made it seem, you know, Doug and Bev are twenty years old, mm-hmm. you know, and they're they have a large group of friends and it says like they're often known to have get togethers where everyone came to their house uh, <laughs> and i was like well damn that's like like my, your house my old house yeah. <laughs> like you and zach's house <laughs> yeah i don't do that no more where i live nowadays i'm like oh. <laughs> right no i wore myself out on some humans <laughs> but it was like <laughs> literally it was all i could think about i was like okay uh, so I've been I've been there, I've had flashbacks. And they were they were just very, you know, they had they were active with their friend group. Um their daughter Rebecca was born and they were just this happy family, right? Okay. All right. So Doug worked night shifts at General Motors okay. and Beverly didn't like being home alone overnight, you know, especially, or not late at night, okay. especially with a baby. Okay, that's fair. Um, because as much as Oshawa was apparently a smaller community, it was also a bit rough at the time, period, right? Like, a little more was, wild westy? Uh, more like drug scene oh. E <clears throat> in the 70s, you know? A wild west. <laughs> In a, in a way, yes. There's yes. just prostitution <laughs> and alcohol, you know, 70s drugs. It makes sense, alright? Yeah. So, um, so Beverly would oftentimes have one of her sisters come over to the house in the evenings, you know, and stay as late as they could, or she would be on the phone with one of them. And on the night of December 9th, she had called Barbara to come over, but Barbara could not. And Doug says that his memories of that day, right? He's like, the day started out normal. We, I made poached eggs, seems specific. And then we went out, we ran errands, we looked at this house we were thinking about buying, you know, like, had our day. And then we came back, and I got ready for work, and I left. And I remember when I left, I was pulling out of the driveway, and I looked up, and in the window is Beverly with um, Rebecca, you know, the baby, Mm -hmm. and she's waving Rebecca's hand out the window at Dad, right? And he's like, that's my last memory of my wife, which, like... that's so sad. Right? But at the same time, that's a pretty good fucking last memory to have. You know what I mean? Like, super sweet, nice, wholesome. A A lot of these cases, last memories are not that... Not that solid. <laughs> True. So, Doug goes to work. And Beverly calls Barbara 
you know, Barbara couldn't come over, but, you know, she calls her or she calls one of the other sisters to talk. They stay on the phone until about 7, right? Okay. I guess Doug went into work around 6. And <clears throat> they get off the phone. And about an hour and a half later, at 8.30, Doug gets a break at work. And he calls to check on Bev. <clears throat> and he calls and there's no answer. Which is odd because she doesn't go out often you know what I mean she doesn't like being alone she like closes the curtains when it gets dark she's not likely to leave the house with the baby mm-hmm. you know so I feel her though right I have blackout <laughs> curtains on all of my <laughs> always pulled shut <laughs> nope so he gets concerned and he calls the neighbors across the street okay. who are du- or Alan and Linda Smith no relation okay just same last name and they also had a young daughter, infant, toddler. Okay. <clears throat> right. Weird parallels, but whatever. Um, but they had become friends with, you know, them. So Doug calls, Linda answers, and he's like, hey, Bev's not answering. Did she happen to, like, come over to y'all's house? Yeah. And they were like, no, she's not here. I'll I'll go over and check. You know, so Linda, like, leaves the phone hanging and goes across the street and comes back and she says the doors are all locked, no one's answering. She's like, you know, it looked like she was on the floor. Mm -hmm. So she, like, tells Doug, come home. She tells Alan, like, hey, go, go check this out. Go be the man. Right. Linda says all the doors are locked, right? She does not say anything about the door being kicked in at this point. Okay. Note that. Okay. Because Linda. Mm. Linda, so, Linda, Linda. <laughs> I feel like we don't like Linda. Uh, I'm I'm torn with Linda, and oh, you'll understand. Okay, okay. It's a... Mm, I got some prejudgments with Linda. It's a back and forth here. Okay. So, I can hear it in your tone, so I'm like, <laughs> what, what the hell is up with Linda? <laughs> yeah. So, Alan goes across the street and he looks through what he can of the window or the curtains whatever you know and he also sees Beverly lying on the kitchen floor and he you know he runs back and calls the ambulance or maybe Linda had called the ambulance after she hung up with Doug you know either way ambulance got called by the time the ambulance gets there The EMT says that when he got there, Alan told him, I kicked the door in so that y'all could get to her quicker. Okay. Okay. And the door is kicked in at that point. Um, Alan also, he worked for the Humane Society and he had a little, like a work truck with like a flashing light on top or Mm -hmm. whatever. So he went back to his house and pulled the truck over in front of Beverly's house and turned the flashers on as like a... Signal. way right like a way for them to find the house easier it's actually really smart as someone who has helped to chase down an ambulance before like no wrong way like come back <sighs> um yeah no yeah so there's a lot of things here that alan's doing that like make a whole lot of sense as we go on later okay um so the emts go in they find beverly in a 
pool of her own blood. She's dead. Um, they come back out and they radio the police, you know, and they're like, hey, we need to expedite the police getting here. This is a Mm -hmm. dead body. And Alan looks at them and is like, you don't have the baby. Like, where's, where's the baby? And they're like, oh, well, we don't, I don't know. They said something. He was like, I'll fucking go in and get the baby. Like, get, make sure the baby's okay. Yeah. You know, because he has one of his own around the same age. So like, you know. The okay, EMT is getting shit done. He's like, no, fuck this. Like, right. I will do it or you'll do it, but mm-hmm. some of us gonna do it. Right. He's like, I made your job easier. I broke down the door. Like, <laughs> I'll go get the baby if I have to. So the EMT goes back in, goes into the next room, and the baby is sitting in her bassinet, crib, whatever, completely unharmed. And so he takes the baby out, hands the baby off to Linda. He thinks, um... The cops get there. Yeah, he says, I believe I handed her to Linda. I don't know who else would have been there for him to hand her to. But, so, the police get there, and they (laughs) did a shite job at this crime scene, okay? Like, okay remember what I said, this was their very first homicide, Mm -hmm. and they had come from a Christmas party. Oh, and they're all drunk. Right, so... Oh, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so they do a terrible fucking job. And there's literally no physical evidence at the scene. Um, There's no weapon. Beverly was shot in the back of the head one time. There's zero evidence, there's no weapon, there's nothing, right? Uh-huh. But then there's also lots of crime scene contamination because the officers are walking through, touching things, like, no. not all gloved up. It is said that one of them put his cigarette out in Beverly's ashtray. Like, no! <laughs> right, so there's... Oh, no. There's just no chance. At that crime scene, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, they skipped over a lot of witness statements, or they lost them. They, it just, it was, it was a shit show. Right, no. And, you know, Doug gets home in the middle of all this, and he's distraught, you know? Naturally. Um, and... Him. So, Doug and Alan both were taken to the police station for interviews that night. Um, you know, where were you? What happened? Blah, blah, blah. So, they're both interviewed for several hours. Um, and then they're both let go, you know? Mm-hmm. Doug's alibi, alibi was pretty... <laughs> He ain't got no alibi. <laughs> uh, Sorry, Cormac. D- Doug's alibi <laughs> was pretty straightforward, right? Like, he was at work. Like, I punched in at work, and I was at work. I called from work, you know? And they were like, yeah, yeah okay. That's pretty much all I And there was no reason to think otherwise at the time, especially. Um, Alan's interview was exactly, like, he was just like... No, we got this call, and we went over, and I we found her, and, you know, like, 
that's all. But, like, from the beginning, Alan Smith is, like, a key player in this entire thing. Okay. okay. Again, he's let go. At some point during his interview, I guess, Linda even calls up to the police station and is like, what's taking so long? Why is he in there? Because he was there until, like, I don't know, I mean, hours, hours, hours. She was like, what's taking so long? He was, he was here with me all yeah. night. You know, like, you already know what happened. So, Linda gives Alan the alibi, mm-hmm. right? And they're like, okay. So, they start investigating, and as they went further through the crime scene, they found individually wrapped ounces of pot, like, set aside okay. to sell. Not the pot. Clearly. Not the pot. And <laughs> he says there's about half a, they said there was about half a pound of individually wrapped ounces, right? Okay. Um, and at first Doug's kind of like, what? No, there, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not selling pot. You know? We don't sell <laughs> No. And then finally they're like, dude, clearly you do. So he was like, all right, all right. But here's the thing. You said there's a half pound left. I bought a pound the other day from a buddy, and I've only sold a little bit, so there's, like, at least six ounces missing, okay? Okay. So, the police were like, oh, okay, so the only thing missing from this fucking house is the pot. Is six ounces of pot. Right. So they're like, okay, maybe we have a motive now, you know? And... Bad motive. (laughs) Right. So they start pushing further, and they found out that Doug had a customer, Mark Kinney, who had told Doug earlier that day that he was potentially... No, ma'am. Lucy is dying to be on the show, guys. You don't even understand. Yeah, she paused at the microphone. Every single time. (laughs) So, Mark Kinney had told Doug, hey... I'm going to get some money together, and I'm going to come by later to get a half pound. Mm-hmm. Um, Mark then says, like, I, I know I didn't, I didn't end up going, right? Like, never, never went back that night. Didn't have the money together. Yeah. And Mark was an 18-year-old kid, right? Like, he was buying pot from Doug to then go and flip to the high school kids. You know what I mean? Like, Mm. he was very small time. I don't see why he would have had any reason to murder someone over six ounces of wheat. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, then they start diving in deeper to the drug scene. And they were like, as we found out, you know, like, Everyone's kind of involved in this. And they said, so they started using this as an excuse, right? Beverly's murder was used as their reason to essentially, like, put surveillance on the entire town and, like, put wiretaps on most of the town. Damn. Right. Like, Canada back in the 70s was apparently, like... Canada, you crazy. (laughs) So... They wiretapped the whole town. Okay. And they 
quickly found out that, like... The whole town was on drugs. It <laughs> sounds like the whole town is on drugs. Right? Oh, and wait till you hear this. It gets better. Not only that, it's like, they found out that basically nearly all of Oshawa was either <laughs> on PCP oh. at the time. Oh, my. Like, not even just, like, smoke. That cars. escalated <laughs> so much faster than I anticipated. Right? So, wow. like, just wait. There's more. So much PCP all of a sudden. <laughs> right. Okay. Or, so they were either, all of the town was either on PCP or owned a twenty two caliber gun rifle, which is what Beverly was shot with, okay? They found no murder okay. weapon, but they the bullet was a twenty two caliber. Okay. So everyone was either on PCP or owned this type of gun, or both. Or both. That's the comforting part there. <laughs> wow. Like, I don't know what Asha was doing back then, but, like, and now I understand why Beverly's shutting her curtains tight and doesn't want to be alone at night. You know what I mean? Like, like, this place is weird. Everyone's on fucking PCP. <laughs> I got the PCP. Right. Um, and I guess Beverly apparently did not like Doug selling and especially after they had their daughter I guess she really wanted to put an end to it right and there were rumors around town around you know and all these wiretaps that Beverly had said you know if you don't stop then I'll go to the police about the whole thing Right, which mm-hmm. I don't know that I think that's true at all. I don't feel like that's the vibe I've gotten of Beverly so far, but who knows? Okay. Um, there was also there was also a lot of talk about another Doug and <laughs> Doug Daigle. Doug. All <laughs> right, and there's lots of like. Ooh double names in this episode and it really was hard researching because you got Doug Smith and Doug Daigle and Alan Smith and Doug Smith and like wow right see it just it was it was a lot um Doug is the bigger dealer in the area right so he's the one that Doug Smith had just bought the pound from right okay and when he's interviewed Apparently he like says like I might have done it. I might have gone over to the house that night, and I guess I could have shot her. But like I don't know. I was on a whole lot of PCP at the time. Oh, like right. Like I just I don't know. Could have been me. And they're like, oh, okay, it's legit. Thanks. So were the police on the (laughs) PCP too? (laughs) Like, I, I, you know, right, I don't, I'm telling you, this police department was, top notch, it was, they were struggling, so, yeah, um, (laughs) Doug Daigle was known to act erratic, especially when on PCP, as one does from what I've heard right. from the PCP. Right. Um, a little outside of my time frame. Yeah. Um, so, you know. It's, it's on the list of things I did not try. Right. It's a short list. Right. But anyway, <laughs> um, I've just, I've heard things on it and I've seen, you know, like, test or right. testimony and stuff. And yeah. 
it sounds it insane. sounds like a crazy one sounds something like i don't really want to do either right not disappointed that i missed out on that one yeah i'm okay with that so you know doug in 1988 doug ends up getting arrested for the murder of beverly lynn smith uh-huh. but no charges were actually pressed so he got out that's all we hear about Doug Daigle. Like, mm, okay. So, um, the other route they went down was that in the 70s, you know, bikers, biker clubs, motorcycle clubs, apparently reigned supreme in Oshawa. Satan's Choice, specifically. Oh. Right. Okay. Getting real good vibes off this town. Um, Satan's Choice got involved in the drug trade locally, and things quickly became more violent than they had been prior, right? So, like, where it might have been a safer town before that, even with all the drugs, like, everyone was, like, small town vibes. No one was, like, you know, out, like, murking people. No mercs. Right. And then... Satan's Choice comes along, and, you know, things are a bit more iffy. So... Canada, these are... <gasps> I always think Canada is such a peaceful place, but, you know, I guess I'm, like, really aggressive. Like... <laughs> right? Oshawa is out of control in the 70s, apparently. I don't know. Ouch. So, you know, there were rumors that the motorcycle club was involved, and they looked into, you know, leads on that side, and nothing was ever... You know, nothing ever led anywhere. So, you know, things start to get cold, you know? Yeah. And there's also, oh, there's one other rumor that is that Doug had an affair earlier that year. Okay. And that Beverly had found out and it had caused issues as okay. that will do. Um but there's not really much more info on that so okay it's like just like a blurb from one of his interviews so i guess it's not even rumor like doug admits that he had this affair yeah and that beverly was not happy when she found out like which is fair right that's all that's mentioned about it so um (laughs) things go cold but they're still getting you know they're still looking at it Uh every so often Uh and they start to realize just how many um wiretaps witness statements evidence like stuff had gone missing oh since either were not collected at the time or have since gone missing like wiretaps you know and there's just a lot that's not not there oh not suspicious. Right. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. <laughs> so, it's now 2005, and, you know, it's been 30 years since the murder. There's still no answers. So, Beverly's twin sister, Barbara, goes in, and she's like, hey. She goes in the police. She's like, we got to fix this. Right? Like, we're going to do something. Okay. And so 
the cops reopen it. She, I think she also had to go to, like, the media as well, because the cops weren't gonna do enough, you know, so, like, then she went to the media and was like, this case needs to be solved, so then the cops really kind of put their all back into it. Okay. I feel like that happens. Right. Sometimes you need the pressure. Okay, so, we had to pause, and we are picking back up another day, because, um, that's just... Two days later. That's just how our life goes. (laughs) So... Um, we were just recapping with ourselves, and we are now to where, um, 2007 has come around, and they have reopened Bev's case again. They have a new detective, um, investigator Leon Lynch is in charge of it now, and he starts to really look at Alan Smith, the neighbor. Um... Because there are some inconsistencies, places, I don't know. Um, In 1974, Alan told the EMTs, you know, hey, I broke the kitchen door in, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Linda says when she went over there first, it was not kicked in, but when ambulance got there, it was kicked in, and Alan was like, I did it so y'all could get to Bev quicker. Um, Apparently, though, in 1988... He retracted that statement and was like, no, 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 I didn't kick the door in. The EMTs must have kicked it in. Huh. Right? So it's like, "Mm, that doesn't match up. That's weird, but... uh, Right. It's a strange... Okay. So they give Alan a polygraph. Or no, Alan asks to take a polygraph, right? Like, he's being interrogated over this, and he's like, (coughs) just give give me a polygraph test. But... (laughs) <laughs> the polygraph tech comes back in after reviewing everything, and he's like, you know what? I think you did shoot Bev, Al. And I was like, what? Oh. What? Why? Okay. <laughs> but the tech's just like, meh. Just just randomly like, uh, I think you did it. Yeah, but. yeah, there's some inconsistencies here, or some, um, you know, signs of dece- deception. Mm-hmm. And I think you did it. Okay. But then they also are interviewing Linda. She has been interviewed for, you know, consistently throughout all of this, too. Um, Linda was given a polygraph also. And um, in her first polygraph back in the day, she was Al's alibi. He was with me all day. Mm -hmm. He was with me at the time. Well, now... um, she says that she wasn't, or that he might have left. It wasn't that he wasn't with her. It was like, oh, well, I don't know. But she takes her polygraph, and they <clears throat> ask just two questions, apparently, which was, do you know who killed Bev Smith? She answered no, and yeah. that one was recorded as truthful. Then they asked her, did you kill Bev Smith? She also answered no, but they detected deception in that answer. So they were like, okay. I think you know more about this. I think you might have done it. But, like, if she was truthful in saying she didn't know who did it, then how could her doing it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that literally doesn't make sense. So the fact that this was even, like, taken as, you know, a lead or whatever is kind of absurd to me. But <clears throat> um, this is where... Linda and Al have now been 
separated for a while. Linda got really involved with church and just kind of went went hardcore that way. And Alan, you know, was like smoked pot and yeah, I don't know that he was ever into much much worse, but you know, like he wasn't super religious at all. Um and that ended up causing them to separate. Okay. So Linda meets this woman, Janet Hales, at her church. It's a friend of hers, whatever. Janet, um, Janet says, you know, Linda told me that Al was abusive sometimes and, you know, all this stuff. And Janet seems to be honestly, like, just kind of a shitty human being. She inserts herself into this investigation and uses her friendship with Linda as a... Like, front row? Yeah, she, um, she starts to try to, like, coax information out of Linda. She starts working with the police to get Linda to admit that Al wasn't with her and that he could have done this, right? Okay. And over years, like, she kind of pulls this crazy, contradictory story out of Linda. Um, She starts by saying, like, okay, this polygraph, I don't think it was incorrect. I think that you have developed a block against what happened. Yeah. I think that there's more there, and you just aren't able to access it, right? Okay. So... Linda and Janet are working through this block that they have decided she has. And they, there's tons of clips of Linda in interviews with Leon. Like, she's on a first-name basis with the detective here. You know, she'll be like, well, I'm trying here, Leon. I really, I'm trying to get the truth for you. I'm trying. And it's like, you can see that, like. It's odd. Yeah, it's like she just wants to, she wants so badly to give him what he wants, but, like, she doesn't have it. Yeah. You know, and, like, you can kind of see her, like, fabricating things or, like, changing the story slightly here and there to, like, fit the narrative they want. Yeah. And it's like this. That's not working. You can't take this seriously at this point. Like, yeah. you know, I don't care if there was a blockage or not. Like, you, no, clearly this woman is not a count, you know, a reliable witness. <clears throat> Um, so then, uh, Dave Maunder gets pulled back into the investigation in 2007, and Dave was good friends with Al when, you know, the murder happened, and Dave says, yeah, I called Al, I was looking for an ounce, he said that he would go run across and get it from the neighbor. Okay. Um, and then, that was really it. He didn't say much else in that interview, I don't believe, um, but other than basically putting Alan at the scene before they get the phone call from Doug, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so Linda is told about Dave's story, and she was like, oh, well, yeah, if Alan was going to get pot, it was going to be from Doug across the street. And, you know, he might have gone over there at some point. He might have. Maybe. You know, like, after sticking with the same story about him being with her that night, 
Yeah, now it's... This is when it starts to, like... Ah, no, he might have gone. That makes sense. Yeah, he would have done that. Okay. Yeah. And so, in March of 2008, Alan is arrested for the murder of Beverly. Okay. And Linda is arrested for obstruction of justice. Basically trying to make, like, you hid this from us for so long. Mm -hmm. Right? And that gets dropped. But, whatever. Uh, so they have them both in custody, and they interrogate Linda again for nine hours this time. Damn. Yeah, and then her story changes again, slightly. Okay. This time, she says, the phone rang, Al answered, and he left to go get a bag of pot for Dave Maunder. Okay. Like, suddenly we're real sure about this. Real positive. You know? Yeah. And, mm, so, after that, they, they keep just badgering her Mm -hmm. and she ends up saying that she thinks she saw al with a gun coming back that night and that she saw him put it under the seat of his work van or work truck okay again like odd how convenient Mm -hmm. right the the like investigation here is infuriating (laughs) but i can tell so Alan was charged with murder. Okay. Linda's charges were dropped. Um, and Linda goes and talks to Janet. Um, Janet then calls the police mm-hmm. again, and Linda is brought back in for more questioning. Linda then says, I thought he was taking too long getting the pot from Bev, and um, I, I knew he was interested in Bev mm-hmm. at the time. So I, you know, got suspicious, and I decided to go over. Okay. When I went over there, they, Al and Bev were standing in the kitchen talking, and Al's gun, or there was a rifle by Mm -hmm. the door. And Mm -hmm. she was like, and I saw them talking, and then Al, or maybe Beverly, one of them backed away, and she was like, I just... I, I think I freaked, and there was the rifle there, and I think that I shot Bev. Oh. What? Right. I think you? I did it out of jealous jealousy, and that I've just had it blocked this whole time. Oh, well, that's weird. <laughs> right. I, I didn't see that coming. Right? I was not... Right. So... I think I did it. <laughs> what? I'm sorry. Right? Doesn't... Excuse you. Doesn't make any sense. This is why I was saying, like, Linda. Like, I am just so torn Linda, on Linda. Linda. Oh, God. Okay. So, I'm ready. <laughs> so, she then says that Al disposed of the gun for her. Okay. And she actually takes them on this, like, wild goose chase to try to find the gun. Okay. And she was like... He probably buried it, I think he buried it behind the Humane Society, his work. And then she takes him there, and she's like, oh, no, Leon, this is all paved. It wasn't paved back then. Oh, no, Leon. Of course. Right, and they're Canadian, so, like, you gotta, like, insert the... Canadian? The eh. It's a lot in the documentary. <laughs> eh. Um, so, they, they don't find the gun, Right? And then she's, like, sitting there, she's like, well, I was just making the logical assumption that he would have taken it here and blah, 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 blah. And they're like, fucking Linda. 
So they Damn, charge Linda. her with obstruction again. Good. <laughs> Damn it, Linda. You're being annoying at this point. Right. Like, go away. And then they take her. Go home. Or this time the charge sticks. And she asks to be taken to a psych hospital for a 30-day assessment. Okay. Okay. Wise choice, Linda. Right. Um, but okay. while she's in the hospital, she keeps talking to Janet, because this is, like, her only friend, right? This okay. is Linda's... They didn't... Linda and Alan didn't, like, have a very wide group of friends. Alan's always been more of a loner. Linda, I feel, was just a little weird and didn't make friends that easily. Okay. I don't know. Um, but... So the police get Janet to wear a wire to the hospital on Linda, right? Okay. Like, which I'm not sure about the legalities of that because they didn't let the hospital know that she was coming in wired, mm-hmm. you know? And, like, Linda was there on a court order, so I feel like there's whatever. There's some other... There's questionable yeah. things there. Um, and Janet basically says, like, you have to you have to tell me the truth. You have me and God if you tell me the truth or you can lie and you can not have anyone. Okay. Right? Like use the God hard card. God mm-hmm. card hard? God God oh, wow. <laughs> I can't even say it now. Hard. That would mess me up. Okay. Anyway, she God, played that card. Hard hard. God, yeah. Hard, Two. Hard. Tongue twister. Don't say that ten times. <laughs> So they, Linda's like, you know, she's feeling this pressure. She's like, no, it was Al that pulled the trigger. It was Al that pulled the trigger. Under pressure. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. But now It was the look she gave me while she was singing it that was the best part. And, like, I really can't wait till we have a place we can, like, record these visually because (laughs) y'all are going to like it so much more. The facial expressions that do it. So, this time, Linda's now saying, we went together to Dave, or to Doug's, to get Dave Maunders' pot from Bev, and some problem came up, and things went sideways, and Alan shot Bev, and Linda ran. Okay. And, um... That's when Doug calls, and then the rest goes down, right? Okay. So, but that's all. Like, she couldn't give them a gun. She couldn't give them anything. Her story keeps changing. Okay. So, the charges against Alan get dropped at that point due to lack of evidence. Which is fair. Right. And poor Linda just kept changing her story every time Janet fed her new information or pushed her to get past this blockage. But... There was no physical evidence putting Al in Bev's house. There was no physical evidence putting a gun in his hand. There was no motive for him to have done this mm-hmm. over, you know what I mean, over six ounces of pot when he left a half pound. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, like he it, could have taken all of that. Right. Like, there's no, there's no motive here, mm-hmm. which is what makes this whole thing super weird, right? Personally, I think it was the PCP guy that was like, I could have done it. I was strung out on PCP the whole time. Right. right. Like he, he seems he he's at dead least now. He confidence right. in, like, I don't know. It could have like, been me. Could have done it. Could've you know, and... fucked up. All right. I think he's dead now. I think he died in 2017, so, like, we'll never know. But that's... Anyway. So, so they decide to 
start what they call a Mr. Big operation. Okay. Okay. They're re- they're refocusing on Alan. So we're going back to wiretapping everybody <laughs> again. No, this is even better. Oh, okay. This is even better. This is now illegal up there. Like, they can't use this tactic when investigating, right? I'm surprised it wasn't legal when they uh, did this. Yeah. But, so, yeah. it was in, I think it's 2009 when this starts okay. at the beginning. Or it was 2008 when it starts because it ends in 2009 after 10 months or something like that. Okay. So, what a, what a Mr. Big operation is is the police have decided that this person has committed this crime, but they do not have enough evidence. But they're they're sure, right? Like, mm-hmm. they know this is their guy. So they set up a undercover operation where they send someone in and they get introduced to the target, the suspect. And from there, they build a relationship and start like pulling them slowly into like small like drug deals or small criminal activity and work their way up until they have to meet a mr big okay right like this is the the head guy this is head honcho and through that meeting or that relationship with the mr big they're able to make the suspect confess to this crime for one reason or another eventually right okay right sounds sounds legit okay Um, i'm hearing you <laughs> i'm also seeing your facial expressions so. yeah no i'm uh, i don't i don't mm, the police in this one really piss me off like really piss me off <sighs> more than already okay. yes yes <laughs> so alan is a fisherman okay? okay he's always loved to fish so in 2008 he gets this call that he has won this ice fishing trip Okay. Out of nowhere. Red flags to me, but, you know, Alan's small-town Canadian guy. I forgot ice fishing was, like, common for northern. Canadians. Yeah. Well, I was going to say the northern people, because I don't go north, so, like, I heard <laughs> ice fishing, and I was like, ew, what? Right, no. You chose to do this? Right, sounds miserable, but... I'm sorry. If you like ice fishing, I'm sorry, but... <sighs> I can't imagine. It's apparently very, you know, whatever. I'm sure it's common up there. Right. It's just, it's mortifying for me. Yeah, see? Alan loves ice fishing. And he was like, I've never won anything in my whole life, but shit, I won this, you know? And he's excited to go on this. And to be excited about it. <laughs> right. No, like, you, you're like, bless your heart. Yeah, like, like aw. <laughs> precious. So, he meets Danny, in okay. quotes. Is this a female Danny or no, a male Danny? male Danny. Okay. Danny is also on this ice fish ice fishing trip. Okay. And they hit it off, you know, and they just, they spend these couple of days on this trip together, and then they just become the best of friends. Okay. Right? Like, Bestie. Danny, yeah, no, I mean, Danny acts like he's part of Alan's family. He, like, meets Alan's daughter and grandkids or whatever, like... Mm-hmm. You know, he he really gets involved. And Alan, there's audios where, like, when they leave each other, Alan's always like, all right, love you, bud. You know, like, he was excited to have this best friend. Romance. From Alan's side, because he'd been a loner, you know? Like, yeah. he didn't have anyone, really. And so, 
it was like it's so sad to like listen to these audios and it's like he is he's so excited to have this and like you know what it is the whole time and yeah. it's just like mm, 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 fuck you please so they danny starts bringing al in to smaller criminal situation small drug deals um you know i think it starts off by selling like a couple ounces of pot and then it works its way up and al's kind of like he goes along with a lot of the smaller stuff and he doesn't seem to have a problem with that yeah you know um and they do a couple of deals whatever and then at some point danny introduces alan to jack yeah right um jack was mr big and jack you know owns all these properties he's the head of this big criminal organization he's you know he's not someone you fuck with yeah right and jack is another undercover and they you know start using jack starts using danny and alan to like go on coke deals and um you know he alan becomes completely kind of dependent on danny and jack for everything right like Mm -hmm. these are his only friends he's intimidated by jack but like it's still a connection you know like danny is his friend they are supporting like they're his income Mm -hmm. they are doing everything for him when he needs it like when he was didn't have money they'd buy him a pack of smokes they'd you know do other all this stuff like they were he had become completely dependent on them it was not easy for him to just be like okay this is hitting a level i'm uncomfortable with i'm gonna i'm out now okay you know what i mean yeah so they kept asking for bigger and bigger things um they went and did one deal that was like 40 pounds Mm -hmm. of pot they did you know several big coke deals at one they even it was like they went in and sold the coke and then Alan and Danny went in immediately after Jack came out and stole the coke back, right? Yeah. So it's like, now it's getting into not just, like, straight-up deals, but, like, things could get dangerous. Quickly. Right, you know? And Alan's uncomfortable. Like, and you can kind of tell that in the way that he is in these tapes, and even they comment on this. Like, they make jokes about it on their, you know, on their wires, like, you know, oh, he looked like he was about to shit himself or whatever, and they, like, laugh about it. And it's just, like, y'all know you're making this man uncomfortable to get him to a point where he's going to feel forced to confess to something. Yeah. You know, like, it's so fucked up. Yeah, that is really fucked up. And... I guess... Yeah. Yeah, it's extreme. And so... But he had... Alan had, in conversations, um, denied being involved in Beverly's murder at least two prior times yeah. throughout this investigation. Like, things had come up, and he'd be like, no, the cops just, that detective, he just got it in his head, and, like, I didn't kill her. I didn't have anything to do with it. Yeah. But they still keep pushing. They still keep coming back. So, then, one day, Danny shows up at Al's place at, like, two o'clock in the morning or something one thirty. okay and he's like hey come on we gotta go jack needs us and danny's like oh oh and alan's like okay yeah let's go 
So they go and they meet Jack, and he's covered in blood. Sheep's blood, right? But covered in blood. And he is like, hey, shit went bad, right? Like, real bad. Mm -hmm. And there's, this person is no longer with us, and I need y'all to go dispose of the body. Uh, Oh. Right. Okay. So it's like, took it that final step, like, Uh this is a big deal. And they go, and they there's a fucking mannequin who's wrapped up in a tarp, so mm-hmm. it's a body mm-hmm. shape and size, and Danny and I'll take it, and they fucking throw it into a ravine. Okay. And, you know, Alan is, like, audibly distraught yeah. the entire time. Yeah, like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh right. my gosh. Right, I mean, he's like, oh god, no, fuck no, fuck this, you know, I'm... I just need a man. Like, nope, you can't even talk to me right now. I just need a man. Like, he's, like, not okay. And then they go meet Jack. They're supposed to go meet him at one of the cabins that he owns. Okay. And when they meet there, they're talking about stuff, and Jack basically is like, all right, so now you have this dirt on me. Like, y'all just disposed of a body. Like, you know, I killed this person. You know where the body is. You have stuff on me, and, like, yeah. I need something on y'all. Oh, that's dirty. Right. Dirty. I need something on y'all. And they keep pushing, they keep pushing, and Alan finally admits to being involved in the okay. murder, right? He's like, all right, look, I was there. Me and my buddy Dave went to go pick up a bag, and Dave, <clears throat> Dave shot her. Okay. But he also gets the amounts wrong. He, in this clip, he says that they were going to go over to steal 40 pounds of pot. Okay. But there were only six ounces missing. Yeah. But him and Danny had done a deal that had 40 pounds of pot recently. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah, so, like, yeah, yeah. he was clearly pulling... From other stories. Right. Yeah, okay. And so, you know, he says that... So, I was like... Dave's the one that shot her. I was just there. Yeah. Right? And they're like, ah, okay. And Danny walks out of the cabin. He's talking to Lynch, and he's like, hey, he's blaming Dave Maunder. You know, um, he's admitting he's there, but he's but he's not taking the thing. And there's audio, too, of Leon being like, well, that's pretty good. You know, at least we got him admitting he was there. Now we just got to get him to put the hand in the, or the gun in the right hand, and we just got to get him, like, they're talking about how to coerce him to give them a confession that works. Yeah. Meanwhile, he's giving you multiple statements that prove that he wasn't there. Yeah. Or that he's not, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <sighs> so whatever. So then they leave, whatever. The police end whatever. up bringing... <laughs> you can tell Claire's getting pissed off because she's like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck these guys. Oh, right, no. Danny and Jake, or Jack, like, really, like, I... Mm, mm. They make me so mad. So. Well, it's entrapment. Right. And, you know, I don't know about Canada. That's big no-no here. Right. Now, like I said, now these investigations are deemed unconstitutional. That's good. So they good can't job. do that now. Moving but. Forward. Right. Like, they were in their early days. And that's one thing. The cops in the documentaries were like, oh, no, you know, we, we were, we just went right up to the line of what was acceptable and you know did our best not to cross it and i'm like bitch you crossed it like five times already at least like holy shit (laughs) right like you jumped it 
Yeah. Multiple times. Both feet. Not even like. <laughs> not even like a step. step yeah. Toe. Nope. Nope. Y'all just went all out. So Leon then brings back Dave Monder, and he puts Al and Dave in a room together. He's like, maybe I can get something here, yeah. right? I don't know why. Seems whatever. But they go in this room, and Al's like, Dave, what the fuck? Like, yeah. you know I didn't do that. And Dave's like, well, all I remember is that I called you that night asking if I could get some weed, and you said, you know, yeah, you would get it. And Alan's like, but I but I didn't do this. Like, I didn't go get that for you. I didn't. Yeah. You know, like, I did not kill her. Why? Like, they're, this detective is relentless, though. Blah, blah, blah. Nothing really comes out of this conversation, though. Al gets mad at one point, and he just basically, like, fuck this. And he yeah. leaves. So, all right. Police are like, we're not getting what we want. Okay? Okay. They... It's been 10 months of this investigation, and they're not getting the confession they want, and they're like, fuck, we can't, like, keep pushing this. People? We can't keep pushing this much longer, right? Yeah. Um, and so they, they're like, okay, we're going to do one last big run. We're going to have this, you know, summit meeting between Jack, Danny, and Alan. It's like, a, okay, let's figure all this out, make sure there's no bad blood, blah, blah, And Alan's like, no, y'all, like, scared the shit out of me, right? Like, I didn't, I, I was, I was terrified. I just dumped a body, yeah. you know, and, like, y'all are pushing me to admit to something that I didn't fucking do. Yeah. And they just keep pushing right jack's like well we're at an impasse here then like i was gonna try and like really pull y'all in like give you part of my business i was you know like i really thought that kind guy right i really thought we were we were whatever and we were making progress and now we're just stuck here because you guys have such shit on me and i you're not being honest with me and i can't trust you unless you're honest with me and i was like i am being honest with you right like i don't know what you want me to say i didn't fucking do it I am being honest. But for hours, this goes on with Jack telling him he's not being honest, basically, and until he is, they can't move forward. Danny's trying to, like, passive-aggressively guilt Al by being like, yeah, we want part of the business, too. Like, we want this, too. We're trying, you know, da-da-da-da-da. And Al, the whole time, is like, I didn't do it. Yeah. But they give it one last one last run, right? Okay. And Danny says, if he tells you this, if he gives this to you, is it over? Is that okay. it? And Jack's like, yeah. So, that's it. It's all, it's all, and then we're yeah. done here. Yeah. So, I was like, okay, here's what happened. I did it all by myself. Dave didn't do it. I did. Um, and he basically says, like, I went over to get pot and I still don't think he gets the right amount or maybe he doesn't even say an amount at that point you know like he's like but I did it and the cops are like okay he we got him to confess that it was him yeah right like we can piece together the other things from the other things he said but like he's now said that he was there he's now said that he was getting this pot and now he said that he was the one that killed her right wow okay right and Beverly's family, um, 
and the cops both said that, like, when he said that finally, when he was like, I did it myself, they're like, his whole tone changed, and, you know, blah, 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 and it's like, I was like, if, I was scared shitless, you had to really act this out, like, they're, I think this guy's a fucking mob boss, and I'm fearing for my life, and even right. if, like, whatever happens, how do I know they're not gonna go after my family, how do I know, you know, right. like, I have to give them what they want, and they have to believe it. So, like, I don't know how I feel about that. <clears throat> Beverly's family and her sisters are real convinced that it was Alan, but I'm I'm not thinking it is. <laughs> His daughter did at least say, like, I just want answers. Like, if it wasn't him, then I just wish I knew who it was. Like, mm-hmm. if it wasn't him, I don't want some innocent man being blamed. Yeah. You know, but, like, I just want justice for my mom. Yeah. You know, like, right. She was robbed, like, her entire childhood with her mom. Right. And, like, I totally, like, I respect that. The sisters are all, like, I think he did it. He wouldn't have confessed to something he didn't do if he didn't do it. And it's, like, did you not pay attention (laughs) to this whole thing? Like, if you had been getting pushed this way for ten months and then spent, like, six hours getting told that you're being dishonest and that they need something out of you you don't think that you would give them what they want yeah you know what i mean like that's some you can't really say that for sure unless you've been in that situation yeah <clears throat> so yeah that's why like extreme interrogation and torture and right has been banned because <laughs> it doesn't usually actually get factual information right. it just gives random information that's probably not even accurate Right. They just want the torture to stop. It gives, right, it gives enough and, of what they want you to say that you can run with it. And an extensive interrogation is, like, psychological warfare. In right. In a lot of ways, like, they will right. freeze you out, they'll heat you out, they'll, like... No, it can be real you know. rough. And that's also what, kind of what I feel like happened to Linda throughout all of this. Yeah. Right? Like... As I was watching her story change and stuff, like, she was trying so hard to please Leon with what she was saying, you yeah, know? And it was like... Yeah, to be like... Right. Can you leave me alone now? So, he was arrested in 2009, and he was in jail until 2014. Okay. Right? He was held there on this charge, um, and finally, the... The higher courts of Canada mm-hmm. said, okay, no, these these operations, these sting operations and these coerced confessions are not admissible, right? Like, yeah. they go against the Constitution. This is not acceptable. So, Alan's case, right, uh-huh. the Crown decides, which, like, I just loved all through the episode of or the documentary, like, they're like... Her Majesty the Crown, you know, like, mm-hmm. instead of, like, the state or the, you know, yeah, government, yeah, her, yeah. it's the crown. The crown. So the crown decides that, like, okay, there's not really enough to convict you on. Yeah. There is a high, high chance that we will not get a conviction out of this case without that confession, mm-hmm. right? So they let him go. Okay. After five years. Okay. And, you know, they were like, there were... It actually says there were so many holes in his story that you could drive a Mack truck through them. <laughs> like, <laughs> that came from the courts. <clears throat> they are like, y'all... This doesn't make any sense, guys. Y'all then fucked this up. And, you know, like, they, they basically said, like, no, you, like, went total tunnel vision on this guy, and 
went all out when like there were other people that were a better possibility were right yeah. like you know y'all manipulated his ex-wife <coughs> in order to get in the you know like it's oops yeah good <laughs> It's, you know, so they, there's like, you no, know, you can't do that. Um, and then completely in Canada, the Mr. Big operations were deemed unconstitutional, like shortly after Alan got out. Like they had said they weren't used or they weren't admissible, mm-hmm. but they hadn't completely outlawed the whole operation. And now okay. it's no, all, it's just, no, no, you can't do that. Right. Okay. Um, Beverly's sisters, like I said, still think that Alan just got out on a technicality, but, like, when you look at everything, it, it wasn't a technicality. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, no, he got out because he was put into this extreme situation and gave a false confession. You know, like, that's not a technicality, in my opinion. Yeah. But, so, Alan is now out, um... There has been no new progress in this case since okay. 2014 because everyone just kind of decided that it was Alan and he got out on a technicality. Oh, so we just gave up. Basically. Okay. Well, and like I said, Doug Daigle died in 2017. Mm, Doug Daigle. <laughs> Doug. And I personally think that that was that it was him. You know, so like at this point, I don't know if they could ever really find out for sure because of the lack of physical evidence like you know what I mean so unfortunately for Bev's daughter like we're just kind of we're just kind of stuck over here we're at an impasse you know like and I hate that because I feel like Alan's gonna live the rest of his life with this hanging over him when I truly don't think that he did it yeah you know like if he did, I I just don't see the motive for him to do it. You know, like he's got a you know a young baby. He's I don't see him going over and killing one of his friends for six ounces of pot. Yeah, that's odd. Even for PCP. Right. What I can see is Doug Daigle, the bigger. Or no, I'm sorry, not PCP guy. Right. Doug well, Daigle yeah, is PCP I don't know that. Guy. I don't know if Alan was on PCP. Yeah, I don't know that Al was on more than just pot, but like I don't know that he wasn't. Yeah. But we do know that Doug Daigle was on PCP a lot at the time, and like, if Doug owed him money, you know, I can much more understand a strung out on PCP drug dealer yeah shooting someone than the neighbor who is not like at least that night he was clear minded you know what i mean like yeah. so yeah so that's um that's the story of Beverly Lynn Smith and Canada's fucked up investigation tactics wow that's fucked man <laughs> that's fucked that's fucked i like I was like, this man's going to have PTSD from the police literally for the rest of his life. Like, just watching the damn documentary, like... Mountie. Made my interactions with, like, police, like, I was like, oh, Uh, oh, I don't, I don't like that. What if, you know, like, what if they did that shit down here for some stuff? Like, I don't know. And it was just like, he, he was so random that he got caught up and it wasn't like he did something. He was a neighbor. Right. He, he went to go try and help 
the he, situation. He wanted to check on the baby. That's <laughs> where Doug went, or not Doug. Alan. That's where Alan went wrong, That's right? Where Alan went wrong. <laughs> Doug, Doug, we don't know what. You know, he took his car over and turned the flashers on. He may or may not have broken the door in for the EMTs. That still is weird to me, but, like... I mean, okay, but if we're talking about, as we said earlier, the entire town either had the gun matching the description... (laughs) Or was on PCP. Or was on PCP, or both. Right. You know, like, he could have just been one of those that was both, and, you know, everybody's like, well... (laughs) Right, and the this is the other thing too. I've thought about this. Um, the only reason that it said Bev's there was no sign of forced entry was because Linda said that the doors were all locked when she went. So if the only reason that they think there was no forced entry was because of what Linda said, but Linda clearly is not the most reliable in any situation. Like by the time the ambulance got there, the kitchen door was kicked in. Right? Mm-hmm. They just said there was no sign of forced entry because Linda said it wasn't when she looked, and then Doug at the time, or Alan at the time said, Yeah, I kicked it in. Yeah. But, like, what if he was just in shock and, like, didn't know what, how it had played out? You know what I mean? He's like, Yeah, yeah maybe I kicked it in. Yeah, yeah, maybe. You and, know? And then, like, as, or, like, time went on, he was like, No, I didn't kick it in. It, you know, like. Or maybe it was just really high and was like, I don't remember. Right. It's just, I got in there. Right. That's all that matters. Right. Like, I don't, I don't know. So. I can say in the moment when you got to act, sometimes it's just you do and you don't think. And then you're like, what well, how did, did that I, play out? Right. Like, what did That's I do? exactly it. Like, he was clearly in, like, adrenaline mode. So, there's just, I don't know. There's so many questions. And this was a really weird one. Yeah, yeah, that's real fucked. You know, like, I, the, the police investigation just, like, really, really frustrated you. Pissed me off, man, like, I was listening to those tapes, and now you're gonna have to watch the docuseries, right, to, like, see what I'm talking about, because these tapes are, like, crucial, and you'll be like, oh, 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 they said that, like, ah, and poor Linda. Anyway, okay. So that's the story. Um, thank you guys for listening. Please go check us out on Facebook at That's Fucked True Crime and Paranormal Podcast. Or check us out on Instagram at That's underscore F C K D. Because, you know, fucking vowels. <laughs> fucking vowels. And if you have a case that you would like to hear us cover or a paranormal event or experience that you have personally had um do you want to tell us about or for any other number of reasons if you just want to send us an email um you can email us at that's fucked podcast at gmail.com again fuck the vowels so you already know um and we will See you next week. We will be back next week. Bye. Right on time. Bye.